Welcome to the session. There was once an individual who said, there's peer pressure, but there's also peer priority. Gee, where have I heard that before? (laughs) Where faith and life connect. I think I just heard a whole bunch of people yell amen. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah. I hope so. A time to explore issues facing the family today. Marriage is about what can I look at inside of me and take care of in me to offer to my spouse a better me. And where it's okay to laugh a little. It is so good to hear you say that. To hear someone else preach that message. It is. Well, again, for years I've heard you preach it. (laughs) It's finally soaking in. (laughs) Yes, the celebration of success. Welcome to the session on Rise FM. Welcome into the place where faith and life and family connect. This is the session. Hi, I'm Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. And today we're going to dive into something I don't know that as a topic we've ever really fully discussed step families. Right. We've kind of skirted around it, I think, over the years. But today we're going to take a a 30,000 foot view of the step family. And before we dive into that which is step families, Tom, let's uh, take a dive into God's Word and see what you've got for us today. Well, Scott, out of Luke, the first chapter, verses 34 and 35, the Scriptures actually talk about how there was a step family. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Holy Son of God. So she had no husband to help her create a baby. So this is an example where the power of the Holy Spirit actually conceived Jesus in Mary's womb. So that's kind of what's what's leading our conversation. We're going to approach things today from a uh, from a biblical worldview of step families, and we're going to base our conversation around five important emotions that are common in step family living. Uh, an article from Ron Deal from Focus on the Family, and you hear Ron here on Rise FM as he talks about step families and step parenting and that kind of thing. Let's start, Tom, with something that's not on the sheet. See, uh, I, every once in a while I have to do this to you. A rabbit trail. Yeah, well, it's 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 kind of, it's not full-blown rabbit, but it is a, a quick side, and we're going to turn right back on. Okay. Okay. Thought it might be a really good idea <laughs> to define what a step family is. Well, they, and that's why you're the radio brains of what we do. Yeah, but you are the king of the cranium, so therefore <laughs> you know where all this should be. Well, and, and so, Scott, if we were to compare step-family living to nuclear family living. Nuclear family living, if I use my own life as an example, are the children that Kathy and I brought into this world. It's our nuclear family. Now, a step-family would involve a parent that's not biologically the the parent of one of the children. It, It oftentimes happens in remarriage, where I bring my children, you bring your children together, and we try to blend them. Also, it, it can happen because of loss. We're talking here today about Ron Deal. Ron Deal would say it is absolutely two different mindsets, two different sciences. You cannot raise a step family the same way you would a nuclear family. 
So that's kind of where we're coming from today. And so these five important emotions that are common in in step family living. And the first two kind of rolled up into one together. It's loss and sadness because, as you'd said in the definition, sometimes it is because a mom or a dad has passed away or because of divorce. Neither one of those are fun things. They are things that create sadness and the feeling of loss. The fear is you end up stuffing your sadness deeper and deeper until, of course, it spews out up and out in the form of disrespect, disobedience, or a lousy attitude. It's like a person's wall or their defense mechanism around them that keeps people distant. Because if you got too close to me and then you abandoned me, that would hurt. Now, the last time I gave myself that closely to somebody, they left me, so I'm not going to let that happen again. There we are. Yeah. When we focus more on the sadness going deeper and deeper, well, that's a, that's a form of depression. Now, when we talk about grieving, there are different stages of grieving. But if you get stuck in one of those stages, it oftentimes can look like depression. So consequently, that becomes a really important thing that we want to make sure we, we check on. That's why uh, having a professional counselor help you walk through a grieving process, they're going to be looking for, have you gotten stuck and maybe become depressed? So let me dive into that a little bit deeper, Tom. If How far along in the process, let's say it's been, you've dealt with the loss of a parent and it's six months later and this child still hasn't processed it all the way through they're still in that grief mode and they seem like they're stuck right is that too long or there's not really a cookie cutter this step takes two weeks this step takes three weeks but if it's gone six months when is too long when should you as a parent or a step parent start going uh, i want to get that looked at well i think you're right six months is a good mark so with the grieving process if we talk about denial being one stage, they could be in denial for six months. Then they haven't really faced it, and that could be a very important clinical concern. They may be angry about it for six months. They may be stuck right there. By the time we get to bargaining, they, they tend to want to bar, bargain with God, well, if you do this, you know, I will make sure I do that. No. And, and so if they're stuck in one of those stages— then we want to begin to look, treat and look at what else is going on. And, and sometimes it's as simple, Scott, as I'm not about to get past losing my spouse or my mom because it'd be like she's gone or he's gone forever. No, they'll always, will always have memories of it. But we, those memories can be healthy, positive memories and not hurtful ones. So as a, as a step-parent... How long, Tom, should really a, a a mom or a dad wait? I mean, should they wait until they really feel like their kids have fully dealt with the grieving process before they even contemplate creating a step family and moving in, into a new marriage relationship? Well, you know, there's probably some really good wisdom there that would say, yeah, you probably should should wait. Here's a fact that I really like to look at or uh, – Part of life I like to look at. I call it life interruption. It, it depends on to what degree is life interrupted for the child. So again, you know, everybody's different there. And 
what kind of atmosphere are you producing in that family that in culture in it that would be about a positive growth of, of a family? You don't want to start out with a potentially dysfunctional, you know, it'll get better after we get married. No, I think we want to have Probably some, not. Yeah, don't <laughs> count on that. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> if it's bad going in, you're setting yourself up for failure rather than success. Right. Now, the thing that I'm kind of hearing is that the key here for the the parent left behind in the death of a spouse or that kind of thing is communication right. with the kids. It's really important. You may have just lost your spouse, but the child has just lost a parent. The ability for you to be able to communicate with the kids, keep the communication highway open so that they can share and you can share. Because the thing I'm seeing about grief is that we don't see someone else's grief. Right. We're so focused on our own grief that we can't see somebody else's. At times it's possible because when we're grieving, we're not feeling well and the potential that we are not picking up on how one of the family members feels. One of the ways we connect with the family member is, what's it feel like when I'm around them and what they're experiencing? Well, if your feeler's clogged with your own grief, it's not going to go well. But I also want to say, as we're thinking about step family in the grieving process, it really should follow biological lines. Biological lines are going to be more productive in the in the communication, and when they're feeling better to include the potential step-parent is really important. So we're talking about some of the emotions that are involved in a step-family and in in that process today. The first uh, couple are are loss and sadness, and this number three we can turn to, we kind of touched on it briefly a second ago, but it's, it's just fear. That's right. And fear, I've often said, it's like they have this force field around them. When you have a strong degree of fear, it's like nobody can penetrate that force field. It covers every inch of the person. You can't get inside because if you get too close, that could hurt if you just if you abandon me. So I'm afraid of getting close to anyone. I'm not very trusting with all I have I had to live through. I keep waiting for it to happen all over again. It's an indication that now we're talking about not necessarily grieving, but maybe treatment of fear. It's interesting that there are a lot of good things that can happen in the treatment of fear. If a person out there is listening and they are, are I like to say, fear is the great paralyzer. If they're paralyzed with fear, there is hope and there is help if we get it treated. The constant blaming and getting stuck in the middle and I won't let go, let it happen again. That's about a boundary issue. And if we don't have a good, healthy boundary, then the likelihood is it, it may happen again. Now, how might this fear manifest itself in the child as the step family comes together? How might a, a parent or a step parent see that a child is, is fearful? Well, for one, Let's go back to that same diagnostic tool of life interruption. How part of the family unit are they participating? Are they in that part of the, the, the family setting where that would be appropriate? 
if they're off in their room or they're, they may be in the family room, but they're sitting there stone cold silent. Glued to their phone. Yeah. And not looking up. Right. Then there's, there's a probability that, that that fear has become overwhelming. And again, if a step parent sees it, the first thought should be to the biological parent and then encouraging the biological parent to help their child. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm, I, that's kind of been spinning back here, but I couldn't figure out how to say it. Okay. If a step parent sees something or they think they're seeing something, go through the biological parent to address it. Don't try and address it yourself, especially early on. That's true. You, you have to remember that for a stepchild, whether it was divorce or it was a death of a, a parent, a step-parent is a constant reminder that they've been abandoned, that's, that a parent that was there is no longer there. They feel they were abandoned. Not yeah, necessarily. It was not an intentional abandonment in, in most cases. There are right. cases of abandonment by a parent, which is... We would don't call. get me don't get me going on that soapbox, but <laughs> but there yeah, those are I don't know that I would call that the norm. I would call that the exception. There's a maybe a, a similar term of rejection. I can remember when I taught college class and it was a psych course in an educational department, and I remember having a class discussion about the difference between abandonment and rejection. They both can feel similar. They have different causes, probably. Either one is not good, but the whole idea of it's a constant reminder. When, when I see my mom's boyfriend or potential new husband, that's a reminder that my dad's not here. And what makes me think you're going to stick around? So see, immediately fear begins to paralyze that. And this is getting a little deeper, but maybe good. It might help. Dr. Wardle, in some of his writings, talks about the connection between fear and hurt. Oftentimes, fear is present where hurt is, and hurt is present where fear is. Good example, coming up with the holidays. I'm not going to that family reunion because Aunt Debbie's going to be there. In the last family reunion, she really hurt me. I'm afraid she'll be there again and do it again. A great example. Okay. So we want to be able to treat the fear or the hurt. But what's really interesting, the likelihood is if we treat one, we might treat the other at the same time. Well, one eliminating one might eliminate the other just by the one being handled. If the if the hurt is dealt with, right. there's no reason for the fear to exist. There we go. Yeah. And then you then you have a restored relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's really to me, Tom, this is what this all comes back to is the restoration and preservation of the parent child relationship and making sure that the child understands or that the new spouse understands coming in that their their relationship is still gonna be there. You're still safe, which goes right. back to hierarchy of needs. Yeah. First thing is feeling safe. I got that right? Yeah, you're you're close, Scott, for a Big Ten educationist. <laughs> well, see, you know, I had a shot. Uh, that's right. So, actually, you're in the ballpark. What we're talking about is that physiological needs are, are number one. We have to eat first, and then second, we want to feel safe when we have a full tummy. 
Okay, well, it, at least I was in the ballpark. That's right. Okay, so we're talking about the important emotions that are common and present in step family. An article from Ron Deal on Focus on the Family. And number four is, boy, this one is this one can be hard for kids. It's guilt. And, and they're very capable. It's my of it. fault. And they blame themselves. Well, the magical thinking of, a younger cho- of younger children sometimes leads them to make hasty conclusions about why Something tragic has happened. Tracy believed she caused her parents' divorce because she had ADHD. As an eight-year-old, she overheard them arguing just days before the father walked out about whether to medicate her so she assumed that she caused the divorce. Just one more reason why you got to make sure those conversations are carefully held in, in places kids cannot hear. And so what they do with that kind of information, if they blame themselves, then they turn anger toward themselves. And so they may look to mom and dad like everything's wonderful. And they might tell mom and dad they love them, but at the same time they're hating themselves because they caused the divorce. And that doesn't end well. No. And so it's very important that in a divorce situation, the children they see a counselor and be able to talk through and, and try to put some n- normalizing to life. Now, as a parent, let's say you're in the divorce situation and you're the parent with the kids. Is it healthy to let them just blow up at you at times? Yeah, to, to let it out in realizing that they're venting just like adults might vent. But their venting might be about the fear, misunderstanding of what happened. What, where, where's my parent that used to be here but it isn't anymore? That becomes really important. Mm. All right, so our, our final point here, the final emotion we want to look at here common in step family living is confusion, especially, I would think, in younger children. That's true. So young children coping, Scott, with step family living are oftentimes confused about it. Should they love or hate their step-parent? It's very confusing. Uh, It confuses them because they see how their biological parents react to their former spouse. So here it was at one time a loving family unit, and now their biological parent is very upset with and treating horribly that, that child's parent just struck me they're getting that both directions yeah not only are they getting their biological parent toward the other right but now you've got the step parent coming in who has maybe similar feelings toward their ex and that child's hearing both of that negativity and that just boy talk about compound interest true and a few minutes ago we were talking about putting them in the middle or they feel like they're in the middle some unknowing parents are capable of saying, well, tell your mom this, this, and this. Or mom saying, well, tell your dad this, this, and this. And so they're basically arguing through that child because that child's going to go visit one of the households and really not good. No, that's not healthy in anything. So how how should, let's let's talk about that real briefly here, Tom. How should one parent communicate with the other if not through the children who? Yeah. Or they, how? Well, I think most common that I hear are emails or texts. Ideally, they should actually try for the child's sake, even though somebody's really hacked off here, have some kind of common ground 
between the houses, similar rules, and that they have communicated when the child is at my house, this is and this and this is going to happen, and they are in agreement. And, and if you had to, I guess, put it in writing? Yeah. Write, write a quick note. Here's what I'm expecting this weekend. I need Johnny to be here at this time. Seal it. And then, you know, when you when you exchange the child, here you go. Yeah. Just to make sure we're clear. That parent gives it to parent, that would be good. And then okay. cover your cover yourself and keep a copy for yourself. Right. You know, I mean, you're in that situation for one reason or another, so... Okay, so before we dig in too deep, Tom, let's wrap up today with some important things to do in the step family. Definitely, Scott. Do go slowly with an emphasis on building relationships in the step family that cannot be screamed from the mountaintops loud enough. More successful step families view the growing of the family as more so being cooked in a crock pot versus a microwave. In other words, it's going to take time. That Yes, definitely. So it's also important that we talk about what the family would like for traditions to be developed in the family. They're coming from two separate families. Likelihood traditions are different. It's very possible that the children have past traditions that they really like but aren't sure in the new step family if they would be accepted. It's also a way we delineate power in the new step family. If it's my traditions, I have the power. If they're your traditions, you have the power. But the blending of both is what's really what it's about. Find a way to work them together. Absolutely. There's, and there's got to be a way. Right. For the step-parent would be getting into the child's world. Does that not sound Boy, fun? we've I, gee, we've talked about that. And if you do, you can then find something to celebrate. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and getting into their world within the step family world, it may be slower, it may be more challenging, but it probably shouldn't be pushed too hard because, again, that child is adjusting the fact that life is very different here. And that's very important. Uh, Johnny, can I come to your ball game tonight? Yeah. Instead of showing up, Johnny, can I come? Right. Give them some empowerment, some buy in. Yeah. I'm amazed at the number of children who say no to the step parent. That's that's amazing to me, but but maybe it, it's a not it's not a no, it's a not yet. That's probably a good point, Scott. And so, be supportive with no hidden agendas or expectations are huge. Maybe it's a note instead of showing up, you leave them a note in their pillow. Good luck tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hope I can come soon. Mm-hmm. You know that way you turn it into a positive instead of a negative. I, I think the key here, Tom, is that as a step family is coming together. You're seeing all of you're going to see these emotions expressed in the kids. You, you even saw this on the Brady Bunch in a you know a fictional half hour sitcom. You yeah. still saw the kids fighting over things, right? Uh-huh. Uh, possession, <clears throat> space, right. family power, whatever it is, attention. That's going to happen in real life too. And one key to that is being able to sit down with a Christian counselor and hash that stuff out. Right? How does it work? This the guy I know this has got to be quick too. But in counseling, when you're working with a step family, how do you do that? I mean, do you bring the step parents together first? Do you bring in the mom with the step kids and then the dad with her kids? Or how does that work? You nailed it. That's the right answer. Oh, <laughs> well, looky there. There's even a blind squirrel can find a nut. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yes, they can. I'm not so sure there's a right answer. 
depending on logistics, depending on what the issue is, this is probably a whole show in itself. Uh, uh, one of my favorite strategies with families was called family sculpting, which basically in a nutshell quickly is taking the family and what we do with that is uh, we, I, I identify my family consultant who's going to help me understand the dynamics of the family. We typically look at closeness and power. Closeness is measured by how close the family consultant puts two family members together, like on my couch, real close together, or if they're not close, catty-cornered across my office. Then power. Somebody literally could be standing on my desk. Now, keep in mind, I've got a pretty strong desk. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't collapsed yet. Yeah. Or if they have no power, they could be laying on the floor. And so when the, the family begins to see this, then I, I draw a diagram of it so we have it and we can talk about it. Amazing the processing that takes place. What made you put that child or that person over in that corner of the office? What makes you say that person doesn't have power or that person does? And so in front of everybody, they get to talk about it. So there's a lot to unpack with a step family, and I'm sure we're going to come back to this with some other details. And the right. the family sculpting idea really hits me something we probably ought to address at some point. Tom, thank you. Um, if someone wants to have a conversation with you about step parenting and step family time, how can they get with you to start a conversation? Well, you know, Scott, in today's day and age, the life coaching that I'm doing, I still do through Heritage and it's heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. Thank you for joining us for this session. You can listen to previous episodes on the podcast network at risefmohio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about Tom Russell at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com.